This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. Well, it's the holiday season, folks. Welcome to Hopeland Church. And we are starting our Christmas sermon series, Behold Him. Uh, We're starting it today, and I am stoked to be here with you. As you can tell, I got uh, my Christmas um, garb on here. Uh, So um, I don't know. Maybe I'll try to wear something Christmassy every Sunday. We'll see. But uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays, everybody. Um, I hope you enjoyed worship today. Uh, And we're going to jump right into this. Behold Him. So let me pray, and then we will begin Uh, the word time of our service. So, Father, thank you for your word and speak to us, Lord. And God, let this be a a time in this season where we're able to um, truly behold you. Lord, let it be where we, um, God, just take even extra time out of our daily lives during this season and simply think of, pray, and um, meditate on who you are, Jesus. And so we just thank you, God, for today. I pray that we're ministered to and that you spiritually um, do something in us by the Holy Spirit during this holiday season and through this specific word today. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said amen. All right. So we're going to jump right in. We actually have a scripture for this month. Uh, uh, We have just a focus. So we may um, start off every service with this particular verse, um, but it kind of says it all as far as what this season's all about. So we're going to start there. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and Isaiah 7, verse 14, it reads, uh, Therefore, uh, the Lord himself will give you a sign, Behold, everybody say behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And so um, the, the, the gospel according to Matthew actually quotes this particular verse in Matthew chapter one. And so um, what historians, theologians call Matthew the evangelist, um, we will look at this now in Matthew. It's the, literally the fulfillment of it. And, and, and Matthew quotes it in his writing. So Matthew chapter one, verse 22 and 23, and it reads, um, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, everybody say behold. So what the prophet said, who's he speaking of? Isaiah from Isaiah seven, verse 14. Uh, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And so um, behold him, okay? So we're gonna look at this all month, and, and today we're really gonna look at it from this light, is if uh, you seek him, uh, you will find him, okay? If you, if you seek, you will find, all right? And so that might be the theme for the first couple weeks, actually, but we'll see, all right? And so and so, behold, this word behold, it's all over the scripture, this word behold, I mean, what does 
behold really mean? We're going to get into this, but just um, to provide just a simple way of looking at this is even why did we, you know, why is this series? Why are we, why are we looking at this, these two words? You know, why, why is this the name of the series this month? Uh, behold him is because really, and we'll treat this as a point today if we could, but behold, you know, it, it really means like this is a big deal. Okay. Um, so to just kind of bring it down to some maybe monotic, uh, modern vernacular or phrasing, behold is, this is a big deal. So when the prophet said, behold, he's saying, man, what I'm about to say is a big deal. When Matthew quoted it, behold, I mean, this is a big deal. The virgin will be with child and she, a virgin, shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Somebody say this when we say, behold, all right? Say this, say, say, behold him, all right? And so we know that the, one of the Christmas carols, popular Christmas carols, I'm gonna read part of it, but you know, oh, come all ye faithful, right? It says, oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him. Everybody say, behold him. Say it again, say, behold him. Come and behold him. Look, this is a big deal, right? Behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. And so that word behold in the Greek, I'm gonna give you the Greek definition. And it really means see with an exclamation point or look with an exclamation point. As I said before, this is a big deal. So we've been preaching on this all month. So I just want to provide some context as to as we teach on this and look into scriptures and celebrate Jesus this Christmas season. I just want to, uh, you know, just read through here and really um, just look at what this means. Okay. So it means see, look. All right. Um, it, it means here's a phrase, and this is not my definition. Okay. This is literally the Greek definition, it really means uh, be sure to not miss this, okay? Be sure to not miss this, okay? And it, it means seeing that becomes knowing. This is so powerful. When, when, when the prophet said, behold him, when Matthew quoted it, behold him, we have our well-known, I love this song, oh, come let us adore him, right? Uh, oh, come all ye faithful. I don't know the exact name of this song. Some of y'all, I know you do, but I don't know the exact name, but... Um, I love this song, right? What does it say? Come and behold him. It's saying seeing that becomes knowing. That's what it means, that there's something about beholding him that brings us somewhere, okay? I'm getting, I'm getting somewhere now, okay? Uh, come on, w walk with me through this message here. Behold him is, is step one. Behold him is where it begins. If you notice, behold, it's, you know, he's gonna be born. Like, behold him, why? Why behold him? Of course, we just came out of a series called We Praise. And why do we behold him above all others? Why? Because he's worthy. But I'm telling you right now, by definition, this word behold in the Greek, it means you're to see, to look. Don't miss this because there's something beyond this. There's something within him. There's something we will walk into. There is, this is like behold him is, is like the door. 
And, and you know, Jesus said, you know, I am the door, right? And so if we come in by him, we, we come in and come out and find pasture, that he is the doorway. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So we must behold him. It's, it is requisite to behold, to not miss him, to see, to look, to give attention to, right? Why? Because this is the definition as I continue. The last part of the definition I'm going to share here is, is this is, and this, I just want to reiterate, this is not kind of my fanciful, like, abbreviation. This is, I'm writing this out, this definition as the Greek definition, and it means a gateway to grasp spiritual truth. So it is so important as a believer. And I know this season is a season where, you know, much of society is just kind of normalized in a lot of ways, uh, and there's a lot of other stuff involved in our holidays, but but like just Christmas carols, you'll hear them everywhere. And, and you know what I mean? Uh, you'll see nativity scenes all over the place. And and so why, what, what's the, you know, is it, is it, it's not, it's more than the festivities and the, and the, in the, in the cafecito and, and drinking your tea and your hot chocolate and your, um, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. And just, you know, getting all cozy by the fire and just, you know what I mean? Going ice skating or the snow, all that's, it's cool. It's, it's awesome. There's, this is great. It's a season. It's fun. It's family and all that. But more than any of that is an opportunity, a moment for us. It's where Advent comes in. That Advent is just this weekly process of truly just meditating on the Lord and hastening his return and hastening his coming as this being born of the Virgin. So what am I saying is that behold him because there is something beyond us. We, so we need to make time to look at him, to meditate on him, to um, see him. Why? Because seeing becomes knowing, right? That, that, that he is the door. So let's go to the door and let's open that door and see all that he is all that he is, all that he has done, all that he is doing. Can I get an amen, somebody? It means a gateway. So behold, why do we behold? Because it's a gateway to grasp Christ, to lay hold of him, to encounter him, to experience him, to for him to be revealed to us. All right, if you're with somebody today, look at them and tell them. Say it out loud if you're by yourself. Say, I must behold him. Behold is a term, um, a word intended to excite admiration. It is, it is a worshipful word. It is, um, you know, I, I, in one of my devotionals, I'm reading a devotional. It's like just a, it's this daily devotional. And it was talking about how, um, you know, it was, it was not even, um, one of the verses I'm sharing. It just was a little, you know, morning devotional about, uh, behold, uh, that word actually, which is interesting. And this was like a couple months ago, but, um, behold, in, in, in that devotional, I kind of just took some of the notes from that. And, and it's, um, it says, you know, behold is a word intended to excite admiration. Herein is, our call to marvel, all right, of him, right? This is the invitation to look in awe, to look, look, just look in awe at our Savior, 
right? Jesus, these are, these are just from my notes here, but Jesus is a wonder, all right? Behold him, okay? In beholding him, then we see all of life in its proper perspective, right? It's, this is, this is our calling as Christians. This is the call to behold him, to look at him, to look at him, to, to, to gaze at him. I understand life can be tough. Life can be hard. Life can be moments in life can feel very frustrating, confusing, hurtful. Um, life is not an easy thing. Um, and even in the, in the good of life and, and family and, and love and your church family and brothers and sisters, just things happen in life that are unfavorable. There's trial, there's tribulation, there's there's just life, right? It doesn't all feel good, but I'm telling you, even in the midst of that, that is why we are called to behold him, to, to behold him. And, and even in the tough times, and here's my next point is beholding him is an act of faith. Um, and at, it's always an act of faith, but at times it's going to be a literal act of faith because all of life is telling you not to. All of this world is telling you not to. You got stuff to do. You got places to go. You got people to see. And, 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 and this world and the system of this world isn't always just going to set things up for us so that we can just take time to sit at his feet to behold him, to, to, to take time to get in our little um, chair we like to sit in at home or our, this place private place, just open our Bible and behold him, to turn on our favorite worship song and just worship God privately and intimately, to behold him. Come on, somebody, to even just, man, I gotta get to church today, right? I gotta go. I gotta get there. I gotta get in the company of God's people so I can behold him with the saints. I'm telling you that beholding him at times, it's going to be a literal act of faith. Now check this out. Let's read Isaiah again. Isaiah chapter 49, starting in verse 14. I'm going to read all the way to verse 17. Here we go. Uh, once again, uh, Isaiah 49, verse 14 to 17, it reads, uh, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. Tough time. Somebody say tough time. Uh, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. Okay, that's not true, but that's where this, that's where they were. That's where God's people were at this point. It's where how they felt. Zion is, 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 is God's people. So it represents the people of God. Okay, Zion, it represents God's people, plural, Zion. Okay, and so, but Zion said, God's people at this moment, this time, trouble, trial, tribulation, maybe even at times because of our own fault, we get into a mess, if you will, right? Not all the time, but sometimes. And this is what God's people said. The Lord has forsaken me. And my Lord has forgotten me. And then here's God's answer. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. I mean, even if something like that, like that is so against the nature of a mom to forget her children. It's just, it is totally unnatural. Right. It is just. But God's like, man, that, that's possible. Surely they may they may forget. Yet I will not forget you. Verse 16. Here it is. I'm reading the King James, New King James. Um, it says, see. Uh, King James says, behold. Somebody say, behold. Look, look at somebody. Tell them, don't miss this. All right. All right. See 
behold, all right? Um, seeing becomes knowing. Look at verse 16. See, behold. Don't miss this. Look. Look, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Verse 17. Your sons shall make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid you waste shall go away from you. Somebody say, behold. So God's promise stands. This is what they were saying. Why has the Lord forsaken me? Or not even why. He just said, the Lord's forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. I'm sure we've all gone through moments. Our emotions were that extreme. The words out of our mouth. I'll be honest with you. There's times I've prayed prayers and talked to God. And I'm like, where are you? Right? You're trying to kill me here. <laughs> right? Um, there's times I've prayed where it's just a grunt. It's just frustrated. What's going on? She's like, ah! Like that was literally my prayer. Right? I can, I can, I can, I can identify with this. The Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. And then God answered very quickly. I will not forget you. And he said, see and behold. Okay. So I just want to read this from my notes because I just want to kind of explain kind of the, the thought here. So think about this. Like there's a struggle. There's a, there, there, there's this, there's this doubt. This is doubt. This is like horrific doubt in words. The Lord has forsaken me. It's a lie. And it is doubt and unbelief, right? Come on, somebody. This is not true. Like that, this the, it's, the emotion is real, but the statement is not true. And many times we're going to go through things, and things are going to come out of our mouth that are not true. But it's where we are. And God did not forsake them because they said this. And God called them to it to a greater intimacy with him or rather this really in this doubtful vent of God's people God actually initiated a profound intimacy with them and I'm here to tell you right now behold him what is that what is the call to behold him it is it is that God has initiated a profound intimacy with you and he, and he even says this it's just intimate language folks I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. Uh, you know, Jesus said, you know, nobody can snatch you out. You are in the palm of the hand of God and nobody can snatch you out. Jesus said, come to me and I will by no means cast you out. You know, uh, in, in, in the letters, in, in the New, in New Testament it says, um, you know, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always, okay? And so this is God's profound, deep, and personal personal in initiation and invitation to intimacy with him. I have inscribed you. So even if you notice in the language here, it doesn't say he inscribed your name alone. I'm, your name is there. But you are inscribed in the palm of God's hands. Somebody say, behold him. You know, your name is there, but, but it's not just, oh, I've inscribed your name. No, you, you, your person, your case. Think about the hands of God. 
your circumstances, your temptations, your weaknesses, your doubts, your fears, your life, you are inscribed in the palm of his hand. Everything about you, your concerns, your anxieties, your successes, your failures, your hopes, your dreams, you are inscribed, your purpose, you are inscribed in the palm of his hands. You are you in all of what your spirit, soul, and body, your past, present, and future, your intellect, your memory, your your hurts, your wounds, your healing, everything, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, you are all together there in God's hands, engraved in the palm of his hands. So here's the question. What is our answer to this boundless mercy? What is the answer to him doing everything, placing such value on each of us, entirely, absolutely, eternal value, sent his only son and said, you, your life, your person is inscribed in the palm of God's hands. Somebody needs to say hallelujah today. So what is our answer to this boundless mercy? What is our answer? What is our response? It is to behold him. My brothers and sisters, that is our answer. That is our response. This is nothing, beholding him is not something we initiate. It is our response. It is he has initiated this. When you are dead in your trespasses and sins, he died for you. Come on, somebody. John 15, 16. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that your fruit should remain. God initiated this. God initiated this. The, the, God's people here in Isaiah that we read out of Isaiah 49, they're in trouble. They're, they're in doubt. They're saying stuff that is just, it's just like this extreme doubt, totally uh, questioning the very character of God. And here comes God and he says, you are inscribed in the palm of my hand. Our response to that, folks, is to behold him, to continually look, to daily gaze at him, to marvel, to look in wonder. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. When we look at him, you can only come to one thing. When we look at him, when we meditate on him, when we learn from him, when we look unto him, when we behold him, when we don't miss him, when we take a moment even in a day and say, Jesus, I love you. God, you're, you're awesome. Lord, you're my forgiver. You're the lover of my soul. You're my healer, my strength, my joy, my peace. You are with me. You are walking with me. You are speaking to me. You are covering me, cleansing me, washing me, strengthening me. All of who he is. Behold him, right? When we behold him, we can only come out of that moment with one thing, one phrase. I mean, maybe a million other phrases, but let me just sum it up in one. Is that God, you have been good to me. Can I get an amen, somebody? Okay, come on now. If we're honest now, if we're honest, when we... Um, when we stop looking at him, we become sinful. Come on now. We, 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 you know, and it, it may not mean you go back to your old way of life or you go deep into 
It's just, you get occupied with everything else but him. Come on, somebody. There's a sin of commission, meaning committing of sin, and there's a sin of omission, meaning you're not doing what he's called you to do, right? And so um, we either one of those, in one of those two categories, we fall into sin when we stop looking at him. When we look at, when our focus, our gaze, when, when, when our life becomes about everything else, I'm telling you, we're going to find ourselves in sin in one way or another. All right. So when, when we, when we stop beholding him, it's when we get into trouble. It's when we become ill in some way. Come on, somebody. It's when we get so vexed. Everything's frustrating. Everything's negative. Everything's bad. When, when we stop looking at him, we are on a downward spiral. Can I get an amen, somebody? Okay, we, we, get, we get hypersensitive to things. And when we're in his presence and walking with him, it's like even when the circumstances haven't shifted, our internal condition has because we're looking at him. Can I get an amen? All right, look it. Joshua and Caleb were in the same circumstance as the children of Israel, but their insides were a totally different world. And when we look at him, regardless of our situation, our insights are changed. We're stirred up in the things of God. We're, we're excited about the purpose of God. We have authentic joy that is from heaven. We are spiritually fed and nourished. We're not seeking other things, people, places, and things to satisfy us. Come on, somebody. Come on now. Look at somebody and tell them you need to look at him. You need to look at him. And, it's, you know, we get internally troubled. When we fail to gaze at him, we get distracted when we aren't looking at him. We fall into error when we are not looking at Jesus. All right? Come on. My next point is this, is don't lose sight of him. Come on now, say it with me. Say, do not lose sight of Jesus. Here we go. We're going to look at a couple of verses here and that really just tie into this. Come on, say it with me. Say, behold him. Here we go. John chapter one, verse 35 to 37. Look at this. Again, the next day, John stood with the two of his disciples. Okay, this is John the Baptist now. Verse 36, and looking at Jesus. Somebody say he looked at him. Somebody say he looked at him. And looking at Jesus, as he walked, he said, behold, behold, don't miss this. This is a gateway to spiritual truth. Behold, the Lamb of God. That's all he said. He's looking at Jesus and he's saying who Jesus really is. Somebody say worship. This was an act of worship. That's actually a song. You know, now behold the Lamb, the precious Lamb of God. Right, it's a beautiful song, Kirk Franklin and, and the family. I think it's his first album. Um, hallelujah! But verse thirty-six again, and looking at Jesus as he walked, as he walked, he said, "Behold, the Lamb of God." Verse thirty-seven. Look at what happened. The two disciples heard him speak, heard John the Baptist, and they followed Jesus. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. There's a, there's a principle here, folks. There's a profound spiritual application right here is that others in our life will follow him as we gaze at him and speak of who he is. Let me say that again. Others in our life, people in our life, 
I believe with all my heart, will follow him as we gaze at him, as we behold him and speak of who he is. That's what happened. That's all John the Baptist did. He's looking at Jesus and he's telling who he is. Changes other people's lives forever. All right, here we go. The greatest evangelistic tool is to look at him and speak of who you see. I'm gonna say it again. The greatest evangelistic tool is to behold Jesus and simply speak of who you see. Here's my next point. Look at him and tell somebody. Come on now, keep it simple. Look at him and tell somebody. All right, Hebrews 12, 12. All right, sorry, not 12, 12, 12, 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to verse 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, witnesses, I, I sometimes I read faster than my ability to, to read it properly. So I apologize if I'm reading too fast. But let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse two, here it is. What's it say? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Somebody say, looking unto Jesus. Now in this chapter, it talks about all kinds of struggles, pressing through all kinds of things. This is what we call, what we call the, in the context of this verse, is speaking of the, the men of old, the, the patriarchs, Noah, Enoch, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them, uh, Rahab, and how they were people of faith. But their stories are riddled with struggle. They are riddled with, with fighting through things and overcoming. You know, it's just faith, it, faith journey is not a cute journey. It's not like everything is up and to the right, man. This thing, this thing is an adventure. And so look in the midst of all that. What are we saying? Behold him. Looking unto Jesus. This word looking in the Greek. Let me, let me say this. Because this really ties into behold him. Uh, because that's what behold means. It means to look. And this word looking in the Greek, it means looking away from all else. That's what it means. It, true, it just doesn't mean to look at Jesus. It means to consciously look away from everything else so I can more properly fix my gaze on the one. That's what this means. Let me read it again. Looking, looking away from all else in order to fix one's gaze upon Jesus. Okay, this is what it means. To look away from something or somebody else so we can see the one clearly. Looking away from, you know, it's kind of like, you know that um, there's a feature on the iPhone, right? On the photo, on the, on the phone, or sorry, on the camera. Um, and it's called portrait. And so like, I always like to take pictures of my kids in portrait because it kind of, what it does is it, you just click, if they're in the right place, right frame, and like their distance from the actual camera is 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 right. You, you can like touch, you know, just tap their face on the, on the camera and it blurs everything else around them out. So in not focusing on others, 
it enables me to literally the picture changes and it blurs the whole background. So now it's like really when you look at that photo, nothing, everything else is obscure. It's 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 blurry. But I had to focus on the one for that to happen. And so that's what this word means, looking away from all else so I can truly fix my gaze on Jesus alone. In beholding him, we are blurring out everything else. All right, there's an old song. Um, I don't know the name of it, but um, the lyric is, um, all things that surround become shadows in the light of you, okay? And so that, that's what this is. That's what, in beholding him, we are looking away from all else. And so um, here's my last point, okay? And I'm just gonna share another scripture and then we'll, we'll close here. But um, focus determines direction, right? If you really, just in context of what we're talking about today, behold, look, not looking at everything else. Now, you know, it's not like we are irresponsible about everything. I hope you, I, I think you guys, I hope that you see the spirit and heart of this message. It's not that you're disregarding things that God needs you to take care of and that are just your responsibility. This isn't a disregard of responsibility. It's, it's that my heart's focus is on him as I am walking through this life and taking care of all of the things I need to. And, the, and not that in looking at him like this, that that means I don't care about everything else. It's just in the context, this is what it is. The context of beholding, of beholding Jesus in the context of what we're preaching about, this is what it is. I'm gonna give you the word and this is the word for this sermon right here. And it is a matter of um, priority. This is prioritizing that Jesus must be first in my heart, in my life, that the only one I worship. And, and I must behold him because in beholding him, I'm gonna be that much better at being a husband, being a father, being a coworker, being a boss, being a pastor, right? Or whatever it is you do. It's, it's not that we are go, not going to, it's not that we're hiding from the rest of what life is. It's actually in beholding him, we are empowered to engage the rest of life at the highest level. Can I get an amen somebody? And so th this is what I'm saying as far as priority is that it's focus. It's a matter of focus. It's a matter of who is first in my day, who is first in my life. Focus determines direction. If, if I'm focusing on my problems and I'm just giving my whole emotional state is absorbed by what isn't going well, that's gonna take me to a place that God doesn't want me in. And I'm speaking of your mental state, your emotional state. Can I get an amen somebody? So our focus on Christ determines direction and it determines, let me say it this way, um, we or who we're focused on, okay? Sorry, I might've said that weird. Who or what we're focused on 
determines where we're going. And also, focus also determines my condition, okay? You ever notice when you, maybe you have just a really good time in the word, and you're like, man, God spoke to you, and you receive revelation. You are so settled in your spirit, in your heart. You're just like, man, this is gonna be a good day, right? Um, or, or you're just in his presence. You're, you're, you're seeing him in your situation. And, and, it's, and then you go into your day and, and your condition is, is at a, on a spiritual level in God that is, that, is, that is free and strong and victorious. And, and it's just like God is all over you. That is what I'm talking about today. So let's look at this real quick, last verse, and then we'll pray. Colossians chapter three, verse one to three, it reads, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Seek, somebody say seek. Look, seek, seek. It's, 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 it's our focus, it's our intention. Seek those things which are above. Okay, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, setting the, the focus of your life on Christ. You know what I'm saying? Get your devotional out. Get, open up that word, right? Uh, spend time in prayer. Um, sing a song to God. Okay, this is the sea. This season is just, um, we, we, have, we have opportunity more than ever just based on the environment of the holidays and festivities to really just, Hey, I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm going to behold him. Let me read it again. I'm going to finish this verse, I promise. Uh, Colossians 3.1. If then, speaking of our position, if then you were raised with Christ, then seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your mind. Set your mind. Intentionality. Set your mind on things above, spiritual things, heavenly things not on things on the earth. Does it mean that we just go, you know, go out, move out into the wilderness and become desert people? And no, it's not saying, you know, this is not a call to monastic living, right? This is a call to behold your savior in your world, in your life right now, right? Verse three, for you died. Uh, I'm talking about your old life and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What is he, what is he saying here? Having an eternal perspective. Because he's like, man, this is where we're going. This is where we're gonna be for eternity. Let's make the most of the time. While the days are evil, the scripture says, let's maximize the time. Let's behold our savior. Hallelujah. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, today for everybody joining in. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that we would be stirred to spend um, more time with you this season. Lord, I pray that we would make time to simply behold you, to look at you, to, to, to study the, the true Christmas story, to, to sit at your feet, to worship, to, to fellowship with your people, God, and to sit at your table. Lord, I pray that we all would carve out extra time this season, daily, weekly, 
leading up into going into this new year that we would spend time as your people to truly look, see, to not miss you and to behold you. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And all God's people said amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.